we're such busy lives and we've got you know lots of commitments we don't give ourselves that time and that space just to to reflect and think back you know what it is you know I'm actually looking to achieve um and also sometimes there's a fear factor as well you know well you know I don't know how how would I possibly change you know how could I possibly transition um and it's kind of fear of the unknown but what I do with clients is it's giving them a structured space, um, not judgmental way to, to really think and reflect about what it is they want to do and how they can achieve it. Welcome to the LD podcast with your host, Nick Day of JGA Recruitment, specialist HR recruiters. This podcast is sponsored by Think Learning, specialists in learning and performance technologies. Visit thinklearning.com to find out more. Hello and welcome to the HR L&D podcast. My name is Nick Day from James Gray Associates. We are specialist HR recruiters and today I am joined by Joanna Vinacor, who is a qualified and experienced HR professional with over 19 years HR and L&D expertise. However, Joanna is not just an HR expert, she's also a qualified career coach. So we've got two for the price of one on this podcast today. Uh, her background to date has enabled her to specialise in a wide variety of areas, including Including internal recruitment, so something I'm obviously passionate about myself, employee development, employee well-being, staff engagement, mediation, and of course, coaching line managers in people management best practices, psychometric testing, design and training and career coaching. Now, recently, as I mentioned, Joanna qualified as a career coaching professional, and she's now using this expertise to help individuals to make informed career-related decisions through tailored practical sessions that can range from discussing making a career transition to how people can return to work after a long career break. If you're interested in finding out more about her career coaching services, then of course, I will be putting a link in the episode notes to her website, but I'll mention it now if you want to log in and follow along. Website is www.jvcareercoach.co.uk. And as I mentioned, that will be in the episode notes as well. Now, Joanna is passionate about guiding people to make informed and exciting career-related choices. And her own career path of working across public sector, retail, charitable and financial services has enabled Joanna to... I guess, inform people from all different sectors across a range of HR and recruitment-related issues. As well as training through the Career Counselling Service, Joanna's qualifications include a BSc in Psychology, a postgraduate diploma in HR Management, and she's also a qualified Thomas International Practitioner in Psychometric Testing. So a wealth of experience, a wealth of expertise. I'm delighted to welcome Joanna to the HRLND podcast. So Joanna, welcome. How are you feeling this morning? Yeah, I'm feeling really excited. And thank you for that lovely introduction. Thank you. Lovely to join you here. Ah, you're welcome. It's great to have someone who can offer us two different streams. You've got the career coaching arm and the HRLND arm. And we're definitely going to be, or I'm definitely going to be asking you many questions about both sides. LND Podcast Discovery Questions to Set the Scene. So before we crack into the detail, I wondered, Joanne, if you could just give the listeners a little bit of an insight into your career journey to date. Obviously, I mentioned in the introduction, you've got 19 years expertise in HR in total. But I wanted to just find out a bit more about what's led you to starting in HR all the way through to joining me today on this HRLND podcast. So, yeah, it started all bizarrely when I actually took my own career choice test when I was at sixth form at school. Um, and although I didn't realize it until now, this actually um, had a profound effect on me. 
Um, so the results came in when I was 18. It said, you know, I should go off and study psychology at university. And, and that was absolutely fine. So, I, you know, and, and that's what I wanted to do. So I was really keen and had no idea what I was going to do afterwards. But that's what I went and did. Um, after graduating, I then decided that I really wanted to uh, work in the charity sector. And uh, so I worked in social work for a couple of years. Uh, working with over 65s and then I also spent a year uh, with the mental health team and whilst working in social work um, it, I actually became a union rep for an individual and it was at that point I discovered all about HR um, so I thought why not give this a go and you know I, obviously I went and spoke to the people in the HR team and found out all about what they did and I really like the sound of it. So that's when I decided to transition across into HR at that point. So I, my first ever HR role was working for Barnet Council. Uh, it was there for a few years. And then I went on to work as HR officer for uh, Sainsbury's. And whilst I was there, I was there for quite a few years, sort of about 11 years. I was involved with internal comms. Uh, I was an environment champion for a while. I was also an L&D specialist. So I had, you know, different roles and, and that gave me a lot of um, experience in terms of, you know, because it's such a large company uh, working in different areas within HR. Uh, whilst I was there, I completed my, um, as you mentioned earlier, my postgraduate uh, diploma in human resource management, which was excellent training for me. Um, and then uh, after that, decided I really needed a change. So um, I went and worked as an HR advisor for an organisation called Hearts Near Leisure. Uh, as a generalist role, but, you know, involved in all employee relations, training for managers, uh, mediations, uh, and that was really exciting, that role. Um, and then that led me to uh, decided I needed another change, uh, working in my current role as HR officer for a company called COFAS, which provide credit insurance. Um, I wanted to be part of an HR team again. Um, as in my previous role, it was a standalone role, but this one, uh, enjoyed being part of the team. And again, it's a lot of employee relations, um, internal recruitment, psychometric testing, um, looking at team development and how we can develop the teams, uh, and also looking at development plans as well and making sure that we've got solid development in place and, you know, all the um, behind the scenes that goes with the yeah, training as well. <laughs> um, and then last year, bizarrely, I actually found my old career report from sixth form and I thought I'll have a read through just as a joke you know just as a bit of fun and it actually stated on there that one of the reasons why I chose psychology was the potential of going into HR although I'd completely forgotten I'd ever written that until last year so it was just strange how, uh, you know coming back to that it, it kind of almost full circle um and also it occurred to me when I was reading this report that, you know, I really didn't have the best career advice when I was at school or at university. Didn't really, you know, I kind of fell into HR really, although I'm thankful I did. But it kind of made me really think about, you know, that I could help other people in exploring their careers, um, you know, about what stages they are in their life. And that's kind of what led me into into career coaching as well. So, yeah, last year I decided to embark on uh, becoming the a career coach and qualifying and and now setting up my own practice so yeah it's really exciting times 
Fantastic. What a great 360 story, as you said, to read back and realize that actually that's the journey you've taken, albeit you weren't necessarily guided as well as you know you could have been, hence you've taken on that journey now. What a, what a fantastic story. Um, and also, uh, you've also got experience in such wide sectors to go from public sector into sort of large business like Sainsbury's in a household brand name, then into not-for-profit, then into financial services. That must give you a real wealth of um, experience in working with very, very different sectors, You know, some very, very bureaucratic. Um, some obviously I'm, I'm assuming will give you a little bit more autonomy um, some perhaps limited slightly in their funding how have you found those changes has it been difficult for you to adopt sort of jumping from one sector to another or, or you know, what have been the, the, the exciting intricacies of each they've all had they funnily enough I was thinking about this a few months ago they all have wherever you go I found that there always seems to be like lots of similarities in terms of HR issues wherever you go um, which has lent itself well in terms of you know the training that I had at the beginning. So um, what what I suppose is different is kind of like the policies and procedures and the culture of the organisation. And once you get used to that, and once you you understand that and the ways that the organisation wants to work, it's just a matter of adapting. So, but I think fundamentally, there's always you know thinking back throughout my career, there's always kind of been employee engagement. It was always really big when I worked at Sainsbury's, for example. I think it opens up an interesting question because as a recruiter, and obviously I know that you're quite passionate, particularly on career advice, but you've got a lot of recruitment experience as well. As a as a, an HR recruiter myself, often we won't get the opportunity to represent someone, for example, from public sector to work in financial services because they'll be really specific and say, no, they must have financial services sector experience. Or in your Sainsbury's example, they must have retail experience. And I think you know, you're a great example of how actually it's not always about the sector experience. It's about the personality. It's about the culture. It's about the ability to, you know, be able to transition yourself and adapt to different environments. And one of the things we find quite difficult sometimes when you know a personality really, really well, and you can say to a client, look, I know this individual. I've met them. They would fit into your business. Great. I know your culture. You know, trust us. And often you'll still get a no because, you know, it's they don't have financial services. And it's sometimes so binary, so black and white, it can make our jobs especially quite difficult. But actually, you're a great example of how, you know, you've clearly been able to adapt and be very successful in a variety of sectors. And that must be one of the challenges I'm sure you will get in your career coaching services is people asking for career advice, maybe they want to get out of public sector, and they want to get into financial services or vice versa. Um, and it's just really nice for you to have that expertise. Have you come across that kind of um, objection before in, in, in your career? either to advice to the individual themselves or even to the hiring manager what would you say to them well I would say to the hiring manager well first of all you know look at those transferable skills that they've developed over the years what what are their core strengths where where have their experiences what have they what have they achieved as well you know look at look at their achievements and I would say similar to the to the person that wants to transition across as well thinking about you know when they're looking at the roles that they want to apply for looking at their skills and experience and and trying to i suppose market themselves in the best way that they can and giving examples you know you know if they're specifically asking for i don't know employee relations experience for example you know giving a variety of examples of how they've worked in in that particular area and what they've achieved and really sort of just showing them exactly you know how they would be able to transition i suppose i know it's quite nice because a recruiter myself it's it's nice to be able to talk to someone 
you know, about a subject that's I know is equally passionate to you as it is to me. I know we're from slightly different spheres, but obviously you're giving career advice and guidance and you're helping candidates to take control of their futures, which is fantastic. Um, I wonder if you give us a bit of an insight into your work then or your more recent work, I guess, as a career coach. What kind of advice have you been giving? What kind of uh, clients have you been working with? So, yes, I've been working with um, a variety of different clients uh, from graduates to people that are mid-career and they, they've sort of been in you know a couple of different roles and they're not sure where to go next. I've also worked with um, women returners who, you know, again, have had a career break, but just, you know, they have, they've been out of work for, say, maybe 10, 12 years and they, they don't know where to, what to do next and they want to get back into employment. So, yeah, really, uh, I can work with anybody no matter what – you know, part of their career they're in. Um, and in terms of working with the clients, I generally sort of find out, you know, at the beginning what their key issues are. Um, and I tend to use like questionnaire style exercises uh, for clients before we meet with them. And then this forms the part that the basis for the coaching sessions. Uh, they usually last sort of, uh, they usually do about two to three exercises per session as well. If I came to you as a as a client um, and I was you know wanted you to help me to take control of my future and I wanted to, I'm looking for my dream career whatever that might be what would be your what would be your approach for me what would what would be the approach going forward? So yes, in the first of a call, I would you know explain what my role is and make it clear that I'm there to guide you through your journey. Um, I'm agreeing what your key objectives are. So always referring and always referring back to these each of the sessions to make sure that we can measure success. And it's also, it's about guiding the conversations around the exercises. So, um, you know, um, I would never just tell someone what job to go and do, but it would be about making, possibly making suggestions with them, looking at options, um, looking at themes throughout the session and reflecting back to them. And it's it's about giving them that space to to really think and reflect about it. Um, you know, and I've worked with clients who often say, you know, I'm not sure what I want to do, but you know, working through these sessions, they, they've really, they've sort of, when you're reflecting back to them, they've realised they can hear those threads coming through and it kind of is quite powerful. Fantastic. Now, I know that from, I, I obviously had a sneak peek at your your website prior to this podcast. I know that there's something that you are, um, one of the things that you follow is you ask for essential questions of every individual that you work with when you're developing your, what a very bespoke and tailored career management programs for individuals. I wonder if you could just walk me through what these four questions are and why you feel that these are the four sort of most, most critical questions, if you like. Yes, yeah, sure. So um, the first one is all about who am I as an individual? So it's all about finding out who the individual is and understanding, you know, what their, where their interests lie, um, what satisfying achievements they've had in their careers, what, uh, what their work values are and, and, you know, what skills they want to use. So it's kind of like establishing, if, especially if someone's coming in to me and they just really have no idea, this is kind of like the starting point. Obviously, you may have, I may have some clients who kind of know roughly what they want to do. So I might sort of go on to, you know, what do I want to do? So this is all about, you know, clarifying, um, thinking about their world as they would like it. And there's some really lovely exercises I do where they actually like get to visualize how the elements of the, um, of the job satisfaction and how they would want their world to be. Um, and looking at also what their key motivators and skills are. So it's understanding you know, delving in that bit further uh, to exactly what it is they want. Um, and then the third is all the third question is all about how do I get what I want? So 
um, we do lots of exercises around, like, for example, um, blocks and bridges. So, for example, if, um, you know, they've come up with, well, I really want to go and do this, but, you know, whatever it is, I don't know, they want to go and be a teacher, but, um, you know, what is it that's blocking them to doing that? And then looking at, well, how can we overcome those blocks, you know, looking at breaking that down, breaking that down for the individual uh, or you know what is stopping the individual and what would help them to overcome that so um yeah it's just again it's like looking at how they can get to that next step really and then the final stages are you know once they've realized well I want to go and be a teacher or I want to whatever it is they want to go and do you know what are my next steps how am I actually going to achieve that so you know it's looking at action plans and you know people that are familiar in HR, in the HR world with like a personal development plan, it's all, you know, very similar to that, that pro, that kind of um, mindset, I suppose. And it's breaking it down also into practical steps. So, well, I want to achieve this, but actually, how am I going to achieve it? And what steps do I need to take to, to reach that goal? Do, do, you, do you find there are certain, you know, I'm from a personal experience now within my family, but you find there are certain trends within the motivational piece um, or, you know, the, the the blockages or the bridges, as you, as you call them. So for example, you mentioned that you deal with a lot of uh, women who are returning to work and may have had quite long gaps away. And, and I know from, from my own family that sometimes that can affect confidence, for example, might be one that you know, they don't feel that they've still got the skills and not up to date. But in your experience, have you seen particular trends in, in what those blockages might be within individuals or are they very much unique to, to, to each client? There will be, there are some similar similarities in terms of you know there's always going to be like the common denominator like time or money I think you know those are often the the key ones for most people but it's I suppose working out what the individual wants as a priority and you know there's um, also an exercise to do around values so it's working out you know well what are my key values um and you know often I worked with uh, somebody recently and they said oh you know I'm really I really just want to find a job that pays really well. And, you know, I, I was sort of gently guiding them and saying, well, you know, there's lots of different roles. Wherever you start, there's always going to be a starting salary and, and you know, an upper limit and you're going to work your way up your career. So it's really important, I suppose, to think about well, what it is you're passionate about because ultimately if you're going to go into something just because of the, the salary, then, you know, you might not be, you know, you might not be happy at the end of the day. So, um, yeah. I mean, obviously, I don't have to tell people too much, but just guiding them. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's for them to come up with the answers and you could have asked the question so they can find it themselves. Funny enough, I, I listened to a podcast recently. I'm trying to think who it was by. Um, I think it might have been Tim Robbins, but they were talking about, you know, you could, you were talking about the money, the money thing you were just mentioning there, you know, I want lots of money. And he was actually saying this podcast, look, many of us could live like kings if we wanted to. You know, if you want to live by the sea and you barely want to, to work at all, you want to have a, a little bit of a lifestyle, you want to have cocktails on the beach, you want to have all those things. You can kind of do that now, but you just can't do it in the UK. And he was just saying that these options are available, but there's always a sacrifice at the other side. So if you want that, then you could probably go and relocate to, I don't know, you know the Philippines or Thailand or somewhere else and probably have that lifestyle. But with that comes other things that you don't have now and it's it's when you understand what's really important to you you sometimes change your life decisions i know it's obviously slightly different example but it's quite interesting in the podcast you think actually these are the things a lot of people aspire to have and it's sometimes it's not always about money it's about breaking down what is it you really want 
from the money to be able to enable you to do. I just thought it was quite interesting uh, to listen through. I love the idea of the action plans. Um, I'm a keen, completely outside of work, but I'm, I'm a keen you know, athlete. I like train all the time, but I have my own coach for personal training. And he keeps, the reason I have it is I know, I understand the science myself. So it's not about the knowledge piece, but I need to be accountable to make sure that I do those things. And having my own coach just makes me accountable day to day to make sure that I'm doing the things that if I didn't have him, I may sometimes you know, not follow that plan quite as strictly as I do. So I think it's really important if people are really generally passionate and, and motivated to make a career change, that if you've got an action plan, which you obviously put in place for them, it really gives you that focus. It really gives you that direction to help you achieve what you want to. I think that's a, I was really, I didn't, you know, really pleased to, to, to hear that's kind of your final point, because I think that's something that's so essential you know, to help with motivation, you know, object, objectives and goal settings, fantastic. Um, and I'm sure you you must have some really nice results. That uh, are you able to talk about anyone that you've obviously not mentioning names, but any particular case studies that um, that have been real success stories for you? Yeah, I mean, I've been working with someone recently, and um, you know, she she just wasn't sure what what she wanted to go and do, and um, you know, she's uh, you know she's now got an action plan in place and I've, I've spoken to her recently and and she she really is clear about what she wants to do and um you know it it actually felt really satisfying myself to have known well I've helped that person along their journey so yeah um and now I'm helping them um you know develop their CV so um yeah um it must be really fulfilling yeah, no, that's nice. It's good. Now we know as uh, as specialist HR and loan development recruiters, as JJ Recruitment, we we work in the in the same market space. But we we're seeing every day, and, and it's it's very much public that unemployment figures are, are pretty much at all time lows. There's a real war for talent, and it's a bit of a cliche, but but there is, and it's you know businesses are really trying to attract the best talent, and the talent doesn't seem to be as readily as available, uh, if you like, as it once was, which is why people like ourselves are able to to work as we do because we go and try and find that talent but we're obviously it's getting harder and harder for employers to to um not not just locate it but then attract staff to to their brands as well which is you know it's bad news for them great news for us but i wondered if you know what do you think employers could do to improve their ability not just to recruit top talent but attract it and then what i would say is probably the most important metric in all of this which is then be able to retain it in your experience yeah, so, um, you know, as I said at the beginning, I do have experience of looking at employee engagement within organisations. And, you know, this is really important because, you know, it has an impact in terms of, you know, productivity and also um, the longevity of somebody's in their career and, you know, and all those reasons, you know, they may decide to leave um, and, and employee branding as well. Um, so, yeah, I would say what employers need to be looking at is, you know, making sure they some some quick wins are things like you know making sure they listen to their employees needs you know for example they could set up employee forums or, or even just regular meetings uh where they have like a where they're listening and to what the concerns are and then you know uh, at you know a way to implement any changes so it could just be a simple like a quick weekly huddle even or um or it could be something more formal like an employee forum if it's sort of talking about larger changes um also, what I think is really important is ensuring that there are development plans in place for everybody within the organization, even if you don't think that person's, you know, if you think that person's really content and happy, um, you know, we're always developing and, you know, it's it's important that we allow people space to, to grow and develop in their roles that they're, that they're working in. So, um, and again, you know, research has shown that, you know, people that 
have more development in their roles are going to be more satisfied. So I think that's really key. Um, also, something interesting that I read about recently is in is community engagements and um, some research was showing that actually allowing your staff or your employees to volunteer has um, increases not only increases you know the skills amongst that workforce but also again can improve the um your employee engagement I suppose in that relationship with the employer because you know you feel like you're giving something back to the community you're actually servicing so I mean the company that I currently work for we've just recently partnered with a local with a with a national charity and we're going to be looking at ways to to um, do some fundraising but also they offer um, mentoring schemes so we can our, our members of staff can volunteer as mentors within the community as well finally just um, you know regular one-to-ones keep talking to keep talking to your to your people really um, you know throughout the years I've sort of um, you know worked with different line managers and they often say well you know when was it last when did you last have a proper one-to-one with with um, you know the person in your team and they're like oh well we don't we, we haven't really we just sort of talk across the desks and I think it's important to you know give that time and that space uh, to to your staff really. Yeah I think really valid points I was making some notes as you, as you mentioned there because um, I think all of this rings true for what we're seeing in the industry as recruiters as well I mean I think the first thing is statistically most you know, more people move for career development opportunities than they do money um, I think that's kind of a, a misconception that people always move to get better salaries actually salary ranks you know quite low typically in people's motivations for changing jobs from a recruitment perspective so I think that personal development plan is absolutely critical you know having a direction to know where people want to move really really important and also that links to the the one-to-one piece you've just mentioned that you know most people tend to want to change jobs because they don't get on with their manager or they don't believe their manager believes in them or they don't have a career plan given to them by their by their manager so that one-to-one communication channel really really sort of opens that up and i think that's a, a brilliant advice fantastic advice in terms of how business can really help retain talent and actually interestingly just i wasn't you know where you're going to mention the the charitable piece that um that your current employer offers but we do something um, similar here and it's gone down really well it we, we haven't offered a volunteer piece yet at jga but we give a half day off work for people that want to give blood um and with only four, oh, really? yeah, with yeah. only four percent of the population give blood on a regular basis, and yet I think there's sort of two and three of us are going to need it at some point in our lives. So um, we've it's something we've started this year, and it's had really good uptake, and it's it's really motivated the staff. It's had good engagement, um, and actually it's it's just a really nice thing to be able to do. Um, so we give a half day off for people to to do that, and I think you know it, it, it's. Obviously, you're getting fulfillment out of what your business is able to offer. And I think our staff are doing the same. I think if more businesses, you know, did different things to really help the charitable side of things, it could really make a, a difference, you know, across the board. So great advice. Well, listen, what I'd like to do, um, Joanna, is find out a little bit more about you. And then we're going to dive into, so for those listening right now, you want to stay on tune. You want to stay on board here because in the second half of this podcast, we're going to find out all about the skills that we think are most in demand for employers in 2019. Joanna's going to give us some advice on how you should best prepare for an interview. So some of her top do's and don'ts. Um, And we're going to talk a little bit about some statistics and studies that have been out there and some of uh, Joanna's recent articles as well. So do stay tuned. Got lots to get through. And if you are looking to make a career change or you're looking for some career advice and you definitely want to listen to the second part of this podcast. But first things first, let's find out a little bit more about you. Time to find out more about you. So, Joanna, how would your friends describe you? 
Oh, well, I was asking them the other day, actually. We all went out for some lunch and I said, oh, how would you describe me? So, yeah, they were laughing. <laughs> they said they thought I was fun. And one of the first things they said was organized. So I was like, oh, okay, thank you. Um, <laughs> they always say I'm really organized, even though I don't think I am. But um, they think I'm really loyal, um, a good listener, and, and also quite thoughtful and empathetic. So, yeah, it was really nice to hear, actually. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, perfect qualities for a successful career coach. So uh, I can't say there's any surprises here, but good to know that that's how they feel, which is fantastic. What's your proudest achievement to date? Um, I think it would be, you know, qualifying as as a career coach last year and, um, you know, setting up practice since then. So, um, yeah, I was really, you know, that was tough to do, you know, alongside my existing part-time role and uh you know i've got a young family as well so um you know just just really proud to be able to do that and uh, yeah, fun- yeah fantastic and you've also got a bsc of course i mentioned introduction in psychology did you find that your bsc in psychology helped with your career coaching qualifications as well yeah absolutely yeah I, the, there's lots of things we did around kind of body language and tone of voice and and these were things we did cover um back when I did my degree so um and a kind of understanding I suppose some of the theory as well um you know around say for example there was a theory we we learned about called Maslow's hierarchy of needs um and that's all about you know make once your kind of basic uh needs have been met in terms of physical then it's all about well how can you become you know the the best person that you can be and there's kind of like a hierarchy of things you need to uh, go through so just you know I suppose some a little bit of theory did help as well sure that sounds interesting we can have a whole podcast on that I'm sure and of course <laughs> yeah. you, I wasn't sure actually because you were qualified Thomas international practitioner in psychometric testing as well was that part of the coaching course that you did or did you undertake that qualification separately no actually that's uh, so that's through the um my current employer uh as we so we do psychometric tests for anybody coming into the organization uh, we do something called PPAs, which are personal profile assessments. And it's all based on the idea that you have four different types of behaviors that you display in the workplace um, based on the psychologist Thomas himself. And you, it asks you a series of questions and then um, it gives you like a profile. Um, and so, yeah, I was qualified and uh, trained to be able to uh, understand the results and give feedback around that. And also there's another um, assessment we sometimes use uh, called a general intelligence assessment or GIA. And, and that's all about how quickly somebody can um, learn and process information um, and how accurate as well. So, yeah, we, now I've, I've trained in, in the current role that I'm in. And, yeah, there's something we use uh, as for as a recruitment tool, but also we're using it more increasingly in uh, team development as well. So thinking about well, how the teams can gel more and how they can become um, the best that they can be in terms of achieving what you know their overall objectives or targets are. So yes, yeah, it's, it's quite powerful. Great, yeah, no, it sounds it. It's, it sounds like you've got a really close knit sort of. Um, rounded levels of qualifications you, know, you, li- you link the psychology on a links with the thomas international psychometric piece which links to the hr management diploma that you've postgraduate diploma you've got and of course the career coaching is going to kind of really four really nice relevant qualifications for what you're moving into it's, it's just funny when you go right back to that a level um, or gcc sort of conversation how you know reading back on it knowing what you've achieved and the qualifications you have it must be quite funny just just reading that back so who right now then who really motivates you and and why I know this is going to sound really cheesy, but um, 
am I allowed to say my husband? <laughs> yeah, of course you can. We'd like a bit of cheese here. It's all fine. It's a common answer. The partner, the partner's um, probably the most cool answer we get, so it's not a problem. No, he's actually, um, he's, uh, funnily enough, he's set up his own business uh, this year, and he's also managed to um, get a publishing deal for his um, so a couple of books that he's written recently as well. So um, he, I don't know, I just find that it's kind of really motivated me to kind of move, you know, my own career forward and, and looking at what he's been able to achieve. Um, yeah, so yeah, he's got a book coming out early next year and um, it's really exciting. So yeah, he's motivating me as well. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. Well, send me, when it comes out, send us a link and we'll share it on the HLND podcast if we can get a few of the, few early purchases. But also, you know, it, it can be a big step taking, you know, you're taking a bit of a leap now into your own business in, in, in your JV career coach business. So, you know, if he was part of that inspiration to take that leap, which many, as you know, as a career coach, many people want to do their own businesses, whether it's alongside their current work or as a separate entity and it's really difficult to take that gamble to take that step you know there's so many things that as you say blockages and bridges that stop us from doing these things um and actually if that's stopping us to you know, from achieving our dreams or achieving our passions you know that, that, that's really difficult and if he's been part of that motivation to make you make that leap then then fantastic great example love it so great question i love this question and it's a bit random but I, i'm always intrigued the answer i'm going to get back so if i could give you any superpower what would it be and why I I would love to be able to travel back in time. Uh, I just love I love um, when I've been watching you know, like Back to the Future and being able to just see you know how people lived in different eras and you know if I could sort of go back and sort of just be, to be able to experience it and and yeah I had two if I'm allowed a second one which was the uh, to heal illnesses in some way. Um, cause I, you know, I always think about people that have, you know, been in our lives, um, you know, that we've lost, you know, there's, you know, with things like cancer and it just other diseases and just to be able to heal people would be an amazing power. Well, I mean, like, half for me to argue with either of those. I think the going back in time to your A-level <laughs> conversation would be quite interesting, uh, your career conversation. Yeah. But also, you know, it's, it's quite clear from, from the podcast already that, you know, the charitable side of you is, is is definitely coming through, so that doesn't surprise me. And um, you know what? A, what a great response! So we'll we'll take that. We're going to jump into a quick advert break, and then we're going to find out a little bit more about some of the skills that are most in demand, and we're going to help prepare someone for an interview. So some of your top do's and don'ts. So stay with us. We're back in one moment. Engage, learn, perform with Think Learning, specialists in learning and performance technologies. We're experts in solving the challenges of targeting, tracking, training in regulated environments. We have developed the Totara platform to provide a cost-effective, organisation-wide talent solution that can help you to provide a safer and better place to work. Customizable workflows promotes engagement through onboarding and induction, whilst an intuitive user interface helps drive ongoing engagement with learning. Bespoke workflows for performance appraisal and integration to payroll and recruitment systems transform Totara into a powerful and holistic talent platform. You'll find us to be responsive, collaborative and solution focused. Visit thinklearning.com for more information. The LND Podcast, final questions to help listeners engage, learn and perform. Great. So 
Joanna, statistics and studies such as the Gallup research tell us that 70% of individuals are not committed to delivering their best performance and therefore would potentially move positions for the right opportunity. So for a lot of HR and L&D professionals out there who are perhaps are considering a career move, might be listening to this right now, but they don't know where to begin, what would you advise? Yeah, if, they, if they're not sure where to begin, um, what I would really suggest is kind of like a kind of skills analysis uh about you know what what have they you know listing all of those skills that they've developed over their career so far um thinking about you know the you know what are their interests uh what have they, what has interested them the most what have they found the most satisfying in terms of their achievements so you know for example um with with satisfying achievements you know how can they even if they think back to some scenarios in terms of, you know, well, what, you know, just think of a time when they actually did achieve something and what, what it is they achieved and what made them achieve that and how could they develop that? What, how would they like to do more of that? Would they like to do more of that in the future? I guess, yeah, considering a career move, perhaps they're a bit scared to make it, so they don't really know where to begin. Um, you know, how, how, how can they sort of take that leap, really? What would you advise before they jumped you know, what, what things they need to consider and how, you know, how can they establish whether that actually is the right move for them, I guess? Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah. So in terms of moving, if, if, you know, you're thinking about moving roles, it's really thinking about looking at your, your key strengths. What are they? Listing those, um, looking at your key achievements and thinking about, well, what were the satisfying achievements in your career? And looking out, you know, what what thinking about what it is you want to do next in terms of, how that would potentially match and looking at what well, have there been some uh, skills gaps for example some skills that you're thinking right now I really want to be able to I don't know broaden your understanding of employment law for example um you know and how you know, can this be something you could develop in your existing role or is this something that you know you really need you want to go externally um, and change uh, working for a different organization or different company so thinking about where there's what skills you have and then looking forward thinking about well what skills do you want to develop more and you know what other achievements again what achievements you've achieved so far and thinking about well, what I really would like to be able to do you know, I'd, I'd like to be able to, you know, go and, I don't know, run a training course, for example, or, you know, um, improve my presentation skills and thinking about, well, you know, where, where what, what types of roles will that, will that gap be able to, you know, where will that come in, I suppose? And then, you know, start looking at researching roles, looking at what, what kind of roles are out there, thinking about also what your values are as well. So often I think this can get missed when people are looking about moving. They think, you know, I want to move, but I don't know where to begin. But thinking about where your core values are as an individual can really help in terms of matching, you know, the types of organisations that you would like to potentially go and work for. Um, and, you know, often people say to me, you know, I don't really mind what the role is in, in some situations, but what it, what's important to me is actually the organisation and will they develop me and does it fit in with my own values? So I think that's really important and key as well um, in terms of thinking about where you might go next. <laughs> no, I think that's great advice. I think it's worth mentioning as well, you know, 
as not just myself as, as a specialist HR recruiter, but yourself as a career coach as well. There are pe- places people can go to ask those questions, which is, you know, to come to us, for example, at JJ Recruitment. It's a free free call, free service. They, someone can give us a call and ask, you know, what does my CV look like? What skills am I lacking? Where do we see that they could probably fit in? And they could obviously call yourself and do exactly the same same process if they want to establish, if they're not quite sure where they want to go. You know, there's lots of free resources out there and free uh, agencies like ourselves that we're happy to give that advice. Um, and, they, and of course, you see, CV never goes anywhere unless you know you're happy for it to do so. So you can do it in complete confidentiality. You'll have opportunities potentially run by you. You know, in a proactive approach, you can say actually that that's not for me. Having read that description, I thought I wanted this, but actually that that's not what I want at all. Um, and I, that role you sent me, I'd never considered before. But that sounds great. And I think you mentioned as well, you know, training, setting up. They want to do a training course or do or improve their presentation skills. But there's other other things out there as well, like perhaps broadening into an international remit well if your current company doesn't have you know an international remit within its function then that might be the you know a good reason for you wanting to make a shift and that's not about sally that's not you know about um, getting a promotion necessarily but if you want to broaden your skills sometimes a sector change which could leave, you know you've changed sectors several times yourself Joanna, you, you'll know the benefits of that um you know if you want to get international then sometimes you have to make a move to make that happen and but there are loads of um people out there like joanna and like ourselves who who can help people you know we're always happy to to answer questions so just pick up the phone or, or, or drop either of us an email and obviously i'll put joanna's uh, details in the episode notes if you are one of those people listening to this right now and and perhaps aren't quite sure where you want to go next but one thing i'm really keen to find out about i know you've done some research on this joanna is what are the skills that are most in demand and of course least in demand for employers in 2019 yeah so um you know i was thinking about this recently um in um, you know particularly when we've been doing some some recruitments um i think what what tends to um, and this is also something that's sort of quite relevant in the news at the moment in terms of Brexit, but kind of making decisions. I think um, this is a skill that sometimes gets overlooked, um, but it's really, really important. Um, so it's about, you know, how do, how do people make decisions and the processes that they come to? And once they've made those decisions, uh, you know, I suppose standing by them, you know, as much as they need to. I think creativity is, is also um quite important and you know sometimes again it can get overlooked in terms of you know you you think naturally there might be roles that you know are naturally lend themselves to being creative for example I don't know you know in the media industry or um you know those types of roles but you know I think creativity spans across all different roles all different organizations and there's different you know just thinking about different ways of working um so that's I, I would say is really key um you know, we've sort of touched on it a little bit earlier, but also about managing people effectively. Um, and that is highly linked to, to your engagement within the organization. And, and you know, managing people in the in the right way will result in being, you know, you know effective teams, uh, people that want to come into work and want to do a good job. And ultimately, you know, that will improve, your, you know, if they've got a customer or a client, that will improve the, the customer and client experience as well. I would say presentation skills. Again, um, I've seen this uh, crop up in, in the organisations I've worked for over the years. It's it's something that it, it can span across so many different types of roles and is really something that often people do lack confidence with. So I think um, it is so important and, and something that, you know, really is uh, needed in many roles. Um, negotiation skills, I think, Again, this is kind of span across 
you know, so many different roles and obvious ones, you know, like with, you know, trade unions, for example. And, you know, you've often heard about, you know, negotiations going horribly wrong in, in you know, in the, in the press recently with, you know, for example, you know, we've got all the strikes happening. But again, I think, you know, there's obviously the high level ones that you, you're aware about, but negotiation happens, you know, all across, you know, even if you're not customer facing, you've got, you might have to negotiate internally, for example, with, a, you know, another department about deadlines or um you know it, it, again it's sort of quite um it can be quite wide and very varying in terms of this is the skill set that you need for that and, and also something finally that I think is really um, important is collaboration um you know often you hear about people that are working in silos within organizations or you know not working within their effectively within their own teams and it's I think collaboration really again is something that is important you know whether even if you are working on your own it, you know you, you do need to of, there are times when you will have to work with other people but most people these days are working in teams um and it's just important to kind of have, have that skill set there I suppose where you you are able to work in collaboration and I've seen some situations where it's gone horribly wrong um and you know, I just, I just think it's really important personally. And yeah, in terms of least, I was having you think about this and I, I, I think, you know, all skills are relevant at some point in your life. I, I really, I, I struggled to answer that, but, um, you know, I think obviously there's sort of like skills over the years that have become less important because of, you know, industry and trade having changed. Um, but, you know, generally speaking, I think, you know, in terms of all soft skills, I think they're all important and they they can all be relevant and used uh, in, in you know, at some point in your life. So <laughs> I, I fully agree. I'll be honest, I struggle with the least in demand question as well. It's hard <laughs> to think of a skill that isn't isn't useful. But I think you're right on the money with um with, with the points you raised. I'm, I've, I've summarised them here for those that, that, you know, just wants to, to reflect, to take notes. So if they're listening is, you know, creativity. Uh, being really, really important. Negotiation skills, definitely on the rise in, in, in all industries, I think. Uh, leadership skills, I mean, it only takes one search on Google uh, to say, you know, what makes a great leader? And you'll be populated with millions and millions of results. It's it's a hot topic for everyone of how you know, how to get the best out of your leaders, how to be, be a great leader. And I think leadership is, is, is a, a really hot topic. And I don't think there's, you know, necessarily a perfect example or, or examples one question a perfect answer yet in how to create the perfect leader because there are so many in different sectors and they, they take so many different guises but leadership definitely important collaboration i think absolutely totally agree we're in a world where we're going more and more global all the time we're not just collaborating in our teams that we work with and we, we sit next to every day but actually we're able now to collaborate globally um through video um, links through networking through a variety of different resources like podcasting as we are right now and i think you know as technology advances that that's one skill that i think is um, really only going to increase in demand the ability to be collaborative and the ability to to utilize those communication skills in a you know in a contemporary way and that kind of links really well with the with the presentation skills you mentioned in our presentations now really really important we're often required in in all of our roles whether you're working in hr lnd payroll or whatever to present to senior senior um as we get more data access to more data senior presentation level uh, levels to to board board uh, board level presentations and stakeholders and so on so i think you know five really good points there creativity negotiation leadership collaboration and presentation fantastic so i mentioned earlier on uh, joanna that you would be here to give some advice to someone who maybe they have an interview set up maybe it's their first interview for 10 or 12 years and they're returning for work 
what would be your top do's and your top don'ts if you're advising someone to prepare for an interview? I would say practice is the key, uh, especially for your opening statement. So really thinking about your elevated pitch and that, you know, and often people may have heard of this phrase before, but thinking about, well, who are you as an individual? How are you going to sort of open that, that interview up? What are the key things you want to get across just in that first, you know, couple of minutes? And it, you know, often it, it's true that recruiters make their decisions in, in the first few minutes of meeting with somebody. So it's really important to make sure that you've got that opening presentation um bit about yourself really sort of practiced and well rehearsed um com- lots of interviews these days have uh, competency based questionnaires and what i mean by that is they will ask you okay so when have you had a problem and how have you resolved it so you know being able to bring examples and think of uh, recent examples and, and a variety of examples as well in terms of how you've actually uh, achieved or you know, if it's a problem or if you've achieved something, you know, what those, bringing those to life and using stories as well, if you can. So again, it sort of helps people, um, you know, along the journey in terms of the interview and making it into kind of like a more natural conversation uh, as much as possible. Research, research is really key. So you want to know, obviously, uh, find out as much as you can about the company that you're going to have the interview with and who's the, who are the people that are interviewing you. If you can do a little bit of background research on them on LinkedIn, um, you know, looking at the company and as, as a whole, you know, what are their missions? What's their mission statement? What are their, what are they trying to achieve? What in terms of finances, you know, looking at their financial reports um, and then using that as a basis for any questions that you may have as well. So, you know, at the end of the interview, I know we're jumping a little bit, we haven't gone through the beginning, the middle part. So when you get to the end of the interview, they may, you know, they also say, do you have any questions for us? And you can say, well, you know, I've, I've researched this and I've, I've seen this. And could you just maybe explain a little bit more? And again, it, it's showing that you're proactive and that you're, you have done your, your research as well. So... I think also body language. I think sometimes we get so het up on what we're going to say that we forget about, you know, how our body language is. And, it, I, you know, again, it's making sure it's open, making sure you're giving eye contact, just thinking about that as well. And then the way that you're saying things as well. Because if you've had time to rehearse what you're going to say, again, it will come across um, and more confidently. So, yeah, I think that's uh, really key. Um, and in terms of don'ts, uh, I would say don't ask what the salary is going to be. That often uh, puts people off, uh, I, in my experience. You know, I would save that until you, you've been offered the role. Uh, you, you should have some idea roughly, uh, you know, what the salary is going to be ballpark. Um, and then, you know, once you've been offered the role, then that is the time to kind of negotiate, I would say. Um, also, what I've noticed is, when people are in interview situations, they often use the phrase we. And and I kind of like that's a little bit of a pet hate. I think, you know, take ownership for something and, and say, you know, I. And it's just a slight change, but it kind of makes the um, – it gives the impression if you're saying we all the time, you know, that you haven't actually done it. So um, just a small thing. Um, don't sell yourself short. So really sort of sell, you know, what your key – your key skills are what your key achievements are um and don't uh, so really obvious but don't badmouth your 
your, you know, your previous employers, try and be as positive sure. as you can. Sure. Um, but, you know, it just doesn't kind of come across that well. So, um I think, yeah, those are, those are my top ones. Excellent. I think they're, they're great examples. I think um, I'm going to add a couple just, just just because we obviously do a lot of interviews and see interviews every time that just expand on the, the points you've mentioned, which I think are absolutely valid and correct way well as well. You mentioned the research. I think not just researching the company, but actually, you know, make sure you know why you want the job. Most people will go into an interview and say, well, I know you were established in 1883 and you have 1,200 staff. That's great, but that's what every, every other every other interviewee can come in with that information. It's how you can use the knowledge that you research to to, to, to sell back your passion, which kind of links into your, your body language piece. Saying, look, I know you've got 1,200 employees. That's great because I really want to be part of a big organization. I know you established in 1883, which is fantastic. So I want to join a secure business that's got a real reputation in the industry, who's you know become a, a, a staple in whatever market is you're doing. So try and use your research to justify why that why you're passionate about the job. We see so many times people going in and sort of quoting research for Barton without really thinking about how they can use that research to to elevate themselves, thinking to elevate pitch, you know, as to why they're right for the job. And I think it's a two-way process. You've got to really sell why you want the business uh, and why you want the opportunity so that they, you know, and they should be selling their business back to you. And you'll often find if you say now 1883, a really stable company, that they'll come back in and go, absolutely. In fact, we've been going from this and this, and they'll start selling the opportunity back to you. And that's a really good position to be in when you're in a two-way conversation so um, absolutely right on the research piece and i would just sort of extend that a little bit and you i love the fact that you mentioned look at things like financial statements you know don't just look at the about us section on a website go a little bit deeper because nine times out of ten the people you're interviewing against I and mean, there is a war on talent there's going to be other people against you at the moment you know, when you go to an interview if they're just doing the about us section and you've done a little bit more and you can relate it back to why you want the job that will give you a huge advantage in, in demonstrating to the, the recruiter that or the hiring manager that you really want the job and you've really thought about your research and thought about why you want to work there. So 100% agree with fantastic examples and, and, and reasons for, for the top dues. Um, and I think if you can link those and, and mirror the values of the business, so if you look at a mission statement, as you mentioned, and, and they say, you know, we are a passionate business. And if you can sort of use that kind of language back in the interview as well, you know, I'm passionate like you are about X, Y, and Z, be it, you know, it might be the charitable things that obviously you're passionate about, Joanna, in an example. If you see a business has, you know, real charitable um, objectives and that's something that speaks to you you know mention that in the interview because that's a genuine mirrored value that, that will sh- your passion will come naturally then rather than forced so i think those things are, are really really excellent examples i think the only thing i would i would add if someone is listening to this in my recruitment experience is remember to close the interview so at the end of the process always remind the hiring manager always remind the interviewer that you know what i really want this job if there's anything i haven't covered in this interview or anything you wish i'd expand on a little bit more detail please let me know i can cover it now if you'd like me to but i wanted to finish say thank you so much for meeting me today it's a job i really want i'm really passionate about this and um, i can't wait to hear from you and sometimes just closing the process can be a really good finisher um and, and something that the interviewers will remember so um Love, love the answers. I'm going to quickly run through them just so people can make notes again. So Joanna's examples were practice your elevator pitch. Absolutely agree. Practice makes perfect. And don't be worried if you go to an interview and don't get the job. That's all part of the practice uh, piece. So, you know, sometimes you will have to go to two or three interviews until you get that perfect role. But don't be worried if you're not successful. Um, just keep practicing and, and you will get better. Interviewing is, is very much a skill. Definitely 
as Joanna mentioned, come up with competency examples, stories, as you mentioned, really relevant right now across social media, whether you're on Instagram, Facebook, it's all about telling stories. You know, we, we live our life in stories almost. So to be able to talk about something passionately uh, that's relevant, of course, to the question they've asked is a fantastic piece of advice. Always do research, as you've mentioned, have questions prepared that shows you've thought about the interview prior to going. But as Joanna mentioned, make sure one of those questions isn't about salary at the first stage. One of the worst things you can do is go into an interview and say, you know, the first question you ask is, what's the salary? I want to work these hours and I want this, this, this and this, because that's not really considering the opportunity. That's just saying what you want. And it can it can lead lead you down the wrong path. So, you know, have all those conversations a little bit later in the process. And then body language, be passionate and remember it. Because I think one of the biggest reasons people don't get jobs in what we do often is because people were just too nervous. And if you do that practice that Joanna recommends, that can really help you, um, you know, get over those nerves and come across confident and passionate about what you're doing. So thank you so much Joanna, for sharing that advice. It's, it's absolutely what we're seeing in the market as well. And I think it's really, really useful. So take notes, go back over this uh, part of the podcast if you need to. And I hope that helps you prepare for your next interview if you listen to this right now. Now, moving forward, I read your recent article with Joanna on LinkedIn, which was about why it's important that people do bother with flexible working requests. It's something that is a real hot topic at the moment. Um, and as a working mum yourself and as a working parent myself as well, I know you've got two children, but you referenced how you found it particularly tricky finding that work-life balance. And so I guess, do you recommend people still go ahead with flexible working requests? And, and what does the legislation tell us? What are the benefits to employers for, for offering flexible working? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I'd recommend if you know, our lives are changing and, Populations are growing. You know, we have more caring responsibilities in terms of uh, you know older populations and, and, and young families as well. So I think absolutely, if and even if you don't have those caring responsibilities, you know, lives are changing. We 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 are becoming more flexible in our approach uh, in terms of you know how we we want to you know work. So absolutely, do apply and do consider it. Um, so yeah, in terms of legislation, anybody has the right to apply for flexible working if they have over 26 weeks service. So, and employers must, and they have a legal obligation to consider it. So they can't just turn around and say, no, we don't, we don't fancy, you know, you know, even considering this, they have to uh, go through a process. They, they have five, there's five reasons, you know, why they could turn down the request. So it could be, they could say it's down to cost or the uh, inability to recruit. Uh, it could impact if it impacts on the quality or performance uh, or if there's an impact on the customer needs or an inability to re reorganize the work. So they, those are the, you know, the five reasons that they can decline it. But no, absolutely. Anybody can apply and, and everybody has the rights. And I think employers are becoming more, you know, wise to this now. Um, and in terms of it also has a huge benefits to employers as well. I think, you know, you sometimes think, well, this is kind of like a one way street in terms of benefit. But you know, it can help employers reduce their turnover costs and, and retain the, the people that they need to retain, especially, you know, when we've got, um, you know, a war on talent at the moment. It can also, you know, save in terms of uh, overhead costs, for example. You know, if somebody wants to work from home, then, you know, you're going to be saving on the costs, uh, you know, for the office space. Uh, again, it can increase staff morale and engagement. And we've spoken earlier about, you know, how important that is at the moment. And, you know, with all of those things as well, it can increase, you know, the customer satisfaction at the end of the day, because if you've got happy staff, then that will reflect in terms of the service that they're giving. 
Um, and also, you know, if you're trying to recruit um, in terms of being able to make sure that you are recruiting the best people for the roles um, and having that flexible working opportunities will make sure you can attract best candidates for the roles as well. Great. Yeah. I think, and we're seeing, we're certainly seeing a lot more employers now, um, you know, coming around to this idea of flexible working. It seems to be such a slow, a slow process for people to to, to really, you know, understand the benefits you see. But we're seeing many of our many of our uh, clients now offering flexible working, and um, I know, and and they're not seeing, you know, major changes as perhaps some of the worries in terms of productivity. And as you say, actually, productivity often goes up because when people as you say, are, have that flexible working opportunity. They they become more engaged with the brand. They are and I'm not not thankful. That's the wrong word, but they're more committed because you know there's trust is a two way thing. And if an employer is trusting them to work from home, you often find that uh, if if home is the flexible request they're they're looking for, that actually when you're working from home, you have that kind of guilty you know angel on your shoulder, whatever it might be, saying actually I'm they're giving me that trust. I need to give that back, and you find you get it back in spades. And I think that. Um, you know, we're seeing all loads of studies come out now about the benefits of offering flexible working and, and what that can achieve. And um, I think it's uh, it's great that just just to make it clear, as you have done, that there is legislation out there to say that you can make a flexible working request. It's not guaranteed it's going to be accepted for the reasons that you mentioned. But, you know, now is the time where employers are starting to make that transition. I think it's um, I think it's a really, really well, you, you, you've, you've worded it perfectly there, Joanna, in, in terms of what some of those benefits are and why it should be offered. Um, fantastic. Right now, what do you think is is stopping most professionals from achieving their career goals? You know, as a career coach, why would you recommend that someone use a career coach such as yourself to, to really help them progress? I, I think what's what's stopping people is is having that time and having that space to actually think about it. And you know, we're in such we're such busy lives. We've got you know lots of commitments. Um, and you know, often we just we don't give ourselves that time and that space just to to reflect and think back. You know what it is. You know, I'm actually looking to achieve. So you know, that's that's what I offer. You know, when I'm working with clients, it is that time. Um, and also sometimes there's a fear factor as well. You know, well, you know, I don't know how how would I possibly change. You know, how could I possibly transition? Um, and it's kind of fear of the unknown, but. You know what? What I do with clients is it's, it's giving them a structured space um, in a non-judgmental way to to really think and reflect about what it is they want to do and how they can achieve it. Um, and you know, it's designed around their their own individual goals. And as as a recruiter, I mean, we see candidates from all walks of life. And you know, when we do work with candidates that have worked with a career coach, whether it's yourself or somebody else, you know, it, it is noticeable the difference in their confidence levels um, and and their their you know how focused they are in, in knowing what they want which actually makes our job a lot easier as well because we don't need to you know, put opportunities by them that aren't going to be relevant and it's 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 much easier to sell an applicant when you know exactly what they want because they've been clear with you and they've got in and they've got that confidence because they've worked with a career coach like yourself to to know what their goals are and know what skills they have and what skills they want to learn so um you know it's we're a recruiter but we work with loads of candidates that work with career coaches as well and i have to say that you know when we do work with those people there is you can see a, a change, a slight change in mentality and, and focus, which I think is is fantastic. So if you are considering service of a career coach, as I said, I'll put Joanna's details in in the episode notes. Do, do check them out. And maybe that's a, a step that you may want to consider. Well, I'm really sad to be almost at the end of this uh, HRLD podcast. I really enjoyed this conversation. I think we could have talked for, for hours. So we're going we're gonna to open the HRLD vault. Opening the L&D vault. And I'm going to ask you three quick questions, uh, if I may, Joanna. 
What is the one piece of advice you would give to someone working in HR or L&D right now? So um, the one piece of advice I would give is, um, you know, just get the experience that you can, you know, work in terms of, you know, different teams, you know, really sort of focus your, you know, your energies on where you want to go with that. With the benefit of hindsight, what would be the one career decision you would change? The one career decision I would change? Um, you know, I was really, I was thinking about this the other day and I actually, I don't think I would change anything at this point. I think everything feels like it's happened for a reason. Um, you know, the only thing I would say is that I worked for Sainsbury's for, you know, quite a number of years. So I think I would have perhaps moved slightly earlier if I'd had the opportunity. But other than that, you know, I think, you know, I've, I feel quite happy with what, you know, the choices I've made so far. Yeah. Great. And finally, if we're sitting here a year from now celebrating what a fantastic year it's been for you, what will you have hoped to have achieved? You know, just being able to do some more work, more career coaching, um, and, you know, increasing my experience in that, in that, and um, you know, being being successful in that at the moment. And you know, I think that's just enough for me at the moment. So <laughs> it sounds like you've got a lot on your plate because you're obviously working full time as well. So. You know, kudos to you. Well, listen, it's been an absolute pleasure. And thank you ever so much for joining me on the HRMD podcast today. As I mentioned, if you are interested in finding out more about Joanna's services, please go to www.jvcareercoach.co.uk. I will also put a link to Joanna Vinicor's LinkedIn profile. So if you want to find out um, and actually see for yourself her career history and trajectory to date, then you can obviously check that out as well. Um, but for now, that is the end of this podcast. It's been a fantastic chat. Um, hopefully there's lots for you listeners to take away. If you are preparing for an interview or you need some career advice, uh, please do go back and listen over to listen over again to aspects of this podcast. You think they may help. Um, but that leaves us to close. I want to say thank you ever so much, Joanna, for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure. And I will look forward to speaking to you all again in a couple of weeks. Joanna, thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the L&D podcast with your host, Nick Day of JGA Recruitment specialist HR recruiters. This podcast has been sponsored by Think Learning. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please review it, share it and subscribe so you never miss a future episode.